In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. We've just started the fast of St. Mary, and we look at the piety of St. Mary, her humility, uh, we look at her committedness, we look at her dedication. But I want to focus on a slightly different angle today, and that is her dealing with the unexpected. Because if you could imagine putting yourself in her place, her position, a girl of that age, suddenly being told these magnificent things that she will uh, conceive, she will receive uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, he will overshadow her, she'll give birth to Emmanuel. It really quite, almost quite literally, turned her world upside down. There she was, this young girl, who lived in the temple, came out of the temple when uh, the, the law required, betrothed to a, a good, righteous, pious man, starting her life. Let's face it, she had finished one stage, being a child, being in the temple. Now she had come out of that and was starting her new life. And then suddenly, everything changed. Have you ever had that feeling where you think you know where life's going? You plan for it, every possible contingency. You think God's provided great because you know, you've prayed about it, you've dedicated your life. She prayed, she was in the temple. She suddenly found this righteous, pious man, as I said, who was going to look after her. Things were set. I'm sure she had visions in her mind as to how her life would progress. We'll never know until we meet her, of course, then you can ask her personally. But we'll never know what she expected. But she certainly did not expect to be visited by the archangel. She did not expect to be told that she'd be the Theotokos, the mother of God. She did not expect after a few months that after having given birth, she would flee to Egypt, travel throughout Egypt in exile, being a refugee, go back into Israel, and then see her son grow, see her son taken from her, see her son executed before her eyes, and then see him risen. It's not quite the scenario anyone would have in mind. And I think that shows us how we need to submit to God sometimes. Now, I pray that that sort of extent of unplanned occurrence does not happen to any of you, because that takes a particular grace. The Holy Spirit did not just grace her to become the mother of God, but to actually put up with, to deal with everything that came with that. And so when God throws us what our um, American friends would say, a curved ball, when it's something we don't know where it's coming from, when it's something that's totally unexpected, then we must also know that with that trial, with that unexpected, he will give us grace and ability to deal with it. You know, if we look at the epistle of St. James, chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, we read, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such or such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make profit. 
There's nothing wrong with making plans. We must always make plans, because as faithful stewards, we must plan. But then we must also be open, if it be God's will, for those plans to change. Because the epistle then goes on to say, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. I don't think he means here to decrease the value of our lives, but just to accentuate the uncertainty. It is uncertain. It is unknown. It is something that we can't always plan for. We plan, we pray, but we also say, Thy will be done. Because when we say that, whatever happens to us, whatever comes, and in whatever form it comes, we're going to be prepared for it. And that's really difficult for us to do. It's difficult for us to submit to that level of uncertainty. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 12, verse 1, we read, Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you. Yet let, not, let me not talk with you about your judgments. I know what your judgments are. I know what you can do. I can ask. I can contemplate. I can reflect. But I must know that you are a righteous God who will always be there. Because we go on to 1 Corinthians 1.9 that then says to us, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now there is nothing more faithful than that. Why? Because it was a faithfulness for the whole of humanity, for each and every one of us. It wasn't just a faithfulness for one person. Because sometimes you can be committed and dedicated to one person. And in being loyal to one person, you become almost disloyal to another. In serving the interests of one person, you can go against the interests of another. But with this particular act of faithfulness, he was able to serve us all. Being faithful to all of humanity as a whole, in its totality, but being faithful to each and every one of us, because it meant our salvation. It focused on what, what would happen to us if we continue to follow him. And even that, he didn't force upon us. Even that, he didn't make into a condition. You know what? Here it is. I have come. I have come to give you life and life abundant. But you must choose me. You must come to me. You must be mine. As I have intended you to be, I will not force that upon you. But that needs a particular kind of dedication. Second epistle to St. Timothy, chapter 2, verse 15, we read, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. What does that mean? It means be faithful. St. Mary, when she was in this position, she presented herself as a faithful steward with nothing to be ashamed of. Lord, you gave me to righteous parents, I lived with them. They sent me to the temple, I was faithful there. You put me in the trust of this faithful and righteous man, I am here now. 
You are calling me. You're calling me to something I don't even understand. And yet, behold the maidservant of the Lord. What kind of trust in giving does that need? It seems far-fetched. It seems theoretical. It seems like, oh, but she was St. Mary. But we see that happening all the time. If you look at our monasteries and convents, there are people there who have left everything. It's not, it's not an easy decision. Look at people in priesthood. They've left everything, a way of life, and gone into the unknown. Marriage is very similar. Yes, you plan as much as you can, but you give up a, a certain part of your independence and your will to be in a relationship. You respond to a calling in life. Whatever that calling is, whether it takes you down a path of, um, of, of vocation, a path of marriage, a path of celibate ministry, uh, a path of anything in life, and it needs that kind of trust. But present yourself as a faithful steward. Because you know that as with what we saw happening in the life of St. Mary, that faithfulness leads to a fulfillment of God's plan. And how beautiful a plan it is. It's a wonderful plan. But we need to let him show it to us in its totality. Um, there are many, many things I cannot do. And one of them is bake. Right? So I'm just going to use this analogy hoping that I don't make a complete shambles of it. But you, you want to bake a cake, so you put all the ingredients into a cake. Now, it doesn't need Einstein to understand that that is what you do. And then you let it rise, I think, or do something. And then I assume you put it into an oven and let it cook. Then when it comes out, if you decide you want to decorate it, you can decorate it. If you just want to go raw, then you go raw. If you want to make it look a certain way or take a certain shape, you do it, right? And then, hopefully, you reach this wonderful, beautiful, tasty, delicious work that I have no idea about, but I hope the analogy works. Okay. Now, if you stop the process at any stage, you've got a rude awakening coming. Assume you don't put in the ingredients or you miss out an ingredient. Assume you don't let it rise. Assume you don't put it into the oven. Assuming you don't let it cook for a certain amount of time. At any stage, what you will have is something that is pretty grim. Because it has not seen the totality of the master chef that is in you, having gone through all the process. We don't want to be a half-baked cake. We don't want to be a partial work of God. We sometimes say, yes, I'll do this, and then we stop halfway. Now, is there time of, of being unsure? Of course there is. That's why when you're going to the monastery, or you're becoming a priest, or you're getting married, or you're called to ministry, or you're doing whatever you're doing, there is a period 
of getting to know the other person, the situation, the way of life. There is a time for you to assess yourself and see if it's working or it's not working. And it must be sufficient time for you to be sure. But let the process continue. Because it is only in the fullness of the process that you see the beauty of the actual creation. Listen to beautiful explanation of God being the, the potter who takes this clay and molds it, kneads it, shapes it, and it turns into a beautiful vessel. And that's what he wants us to be. He wants us to be his beautiful vessel. But we need to be diligent and present ourselves approved to God. Because we don't want to be ashamed. We don't want to be ashamed in being a half-baked work. We don't want to be ashamed in not having let God continue his work in us. And at the same time, we don't want to feel that we have not left ourselves to see what God can actually do with us. The beautiful creation that we can be. Because you know what? You get some flour, some eggs, some water, and whatever else you put into a cake. And those particular ingredients are pretty uneventful. But you put them together, you mold, you, you knead them, you bake them, you prepare them, you put them in the oven, you pull them out, and it's a tasty cake, hopefully. So there are going to be components in our lives that just don't make sense. There are going to be components in our lives that look like they just have no purpose. But when they're put together in the right way, and they react in the right way, and we see the fruition, we see the fulfillment, they turn into exactly what God wants us to be. St. John Chrysostom says this, he says, We may always rejoice if we will only keep our heads a little raised above the flood of human things. Okay, we'll always rejoice if we but keep our heads a little above, what does he say? The flood of human things. We sometimes preoccupy ourselves with detail. Not leaving enough scope to see what God is going to do with us. We preoccupy ourselves with life and necessities of life. It doesn't mean we don't consider them. It doesn't mean we don't work towards them. It doesn't mean we don't need them. Of course we need them. But we don't preoccupy ourselves with them. We rise a little above them. Just a little. He doesn't say totally ignore them. He doesn't say cast them aside. He says just rise a little above them. Because when you rise a little above them, you look at them from the right perspective. You're no longer overtaken by this flood, but you're able to see it and put it into perspective. And then we are able to see God's work in us and his direction. Imagine the flood that St. Mary is going through. I mean, it's not every day that an archangel appears to you. It's not every day that he says to you that he's been sent by God, that you're going to conceive the Most High, Holy Spirit, 
this isn't just a flood, this is a tsunami. This is something she's never even thought about. Had she been consumed by the detail, what was she going to do? Was she going to assess it, process it, make sense of it? None of it in human terms really makes sense. To have a celestial being appear to you, to tell you you're going to be the mother of God, that you're going to conceive without knowing a man, that you are going to be called the mother of God, none of it really makes sense. But the only thing that made sense to her was, behold the maidservant. Lord, I am your servant. I am your work. You do with me as you see fit. You show me your will. You guide me and I will follow because I know that that is how I will see the beauty of your works. Here it is. You know I've got to mention this verse. Anyone can guess? Jeremiah 29, 11. Yes. I, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Although these promises to St. Mary, these directions, seemed totally out of the blue and like they made no sense because they were from God they were about future and hope and life they were about something which was going to be beautiful and continue to be beautiful they were about something that was always going to be for her good and in this particular case for the good of others the others, in this case, being the whole of humanity. Because God will sometimes use us for others. And that others may be, may be totally un, unsuspecting. Don't underestimate that you, living your life faithfully, have touched the lives of others. Others you may never know, you may never have seen. The number of times I'll be visiting a place, uh, whether it's Coptic or otherwise, and someone will come up to me and say, actually, you know, I heard something you said, and sometimes it's 10, 15 years ago, or someone who had never met me said, you know, I listened to something, or I saw something that touched me, or helped me, or did something unexpected at a particular time. And you know what, I'm not saying that because I've said, because all I'm doing is sharing the Word of God, but in doing what I am doing, and hopefully trying to do it faithfully, it's touching people I don't even know. And that's just not just me, that's all of you. I'm sure that you, along your path, along your life, have touched others. They may never come and say to you, actually, you know, you did this. That may never happen. But be assured that it is happening. And understand that God will continue to use you because He needs you. God doesn't need us because He can't do the work Himself. God needs us because He wants us to be fellow workers. He wants us to be part of His plan and the recognition of His plan. God wants us. 
to use the gifts he's given us. And he's given us an abundance of gifts. When you look at all the gifts, all the components, all the things, then we come to another wonderful verse that I love, Romans 8.28, that says, And you know all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Now, know this. You are all, in one way or another, called according to his purpose. And that purpose is so that everything we do comes together, joins together, and works together for good. That's why. That's what he puts us here for, for a journey. You know, St. Mary is exalted. We, we use her as an intercessor. We see the wonderful presence of God in her life and her faithfulness in following. But to smaller extents, each and every one of us is going to have a similar calling. Not to be the Theotokos, but to be faithful, to submit, to trust, to follow. And it's only when we see the fulfillment of what God desires, who gives us life and hope and promise, who wants life for us and life for the world. He wants us to be faithful. When we rise above that flood of this world, it's only then that we see the fullness of his desire for us, the fullness of his calling, and the fulfillment of his salvation for the world, of the world, that comes through us all, doing our own little bit, in our own way, according to his calling. And glory be to God forever.